All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us, let us begin. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shir. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Beis. To thank Leia Soul for dedicating all of the Shurim and Joshua's this month in honor of all of those who worked so hard to make such a beautiful groundbreaking. To thank our Week of Learning sponsors, an anonymous sponsor for the Rafu Shalema of Aaron Yosef Ben Chana Miriam and in the Zuchus of Azivug for Rivka Rachel Bas Basheva Rina. And to thank Naftali and Bela Langer for dedicating the Shi'urim this week as a Zuchus for Rafu Shalema for Rachel Esther Bas Sara Fago. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of those who require refuah will have them together with Kol Chol Yisrael. All of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Nechama. And also with that, let us, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Um, again, I want to apologize for the speed in which we finished up yesterday's daf. But we're going to, good news is, there's still more Yivamas. So you shouldn't think that I ran through the last part of Yivamas. Still a little bit more. I left a little bit for today. So today's daf is daf yud. We are picking up pen. We are picking up second line down from the top. Rav Ada Karichno, Kamei Rav Kahana, Amr Mishmei Dirava, Liolam Isle Lerabi Hani Klavi. So remember again, we did it quickly, but, but Lamaisa, on Tessama days, 9b, Saradichia went ahead and explained that in order to be included in the Mishnah, so there was a series of different principles. A series of different rules that we saw. So the Gemara, so originally we posited that Rebbe does not hold of those rules. Now the Gemara wants to suggest that no, indeed Rebbe does hold of those rules, the Gemara says. And this is ultimately again what he means to say. So listen to this. If you have a situation, remember the following situation, Imo Anusas Aviv, which is the case of his mother who was violated by his father. Now remember again, we, we saw this case yesterday, and I apologize, I actually meant to, to, to copy a picture and to send it out, but it's actually not a complicated case. If you imagine like this, Yaakov, Yaakov goes ahead and violates Leah. Leah has a son, and right, they have a, a son as a result of that, as a result of that event, Named Ruvain. Okay? Ruvain also happens to have a paternal brother from Yaakov named Shimon. So Yaakov, so I'm sorry, right? Ruvain has a brother named Shimon. Yaakov dies. Yaakov the father dies. And now what happens? Interestingly enough, so Shimon, Shimon goes ahead and ends up marrying Leah. Right? So who's remember again, not at all related, not at all related to Shimon. And remember, Paskining like Rabbi Yehuda, that Anusas Oviv, a woman violated by one's father, not, not in the context of marriage, ultimately, again, has no prohibition to the son. Now Shimon passes away childless. It turns out that what? It turns out that what? That Ruvain's mother falls to him for Yibum. Okay? So again, one, one, one more time. Well, actually, we'll see it in the Gemara. So the Gemara says as follows. Imo Anusas Oviv. So listen to this. The case of the case of one's mother who was where a child was the result of a violation, or when I say violation, I mean rape, right? So that case ultimately again can how does that result in a yibum situation? That could either satisfy one of the rules of Rabbi Chia or both of them. Watch it. So I'm going to spell this out. It's actually going to make an incredible amount of sense. So the Gemara says as follows. See, E Yaakov, so the Gemara says, so, E Yaakov, Beis Achayos on us, 
Achosish Yevimta Mishkachosla, Haasura Lazet Mutares Lazet Lomishkachosla. So, Bosan, I listen to this. Okay, so let, let me frame. I really apologize for not putting a for not putting a picture on. Um, you, have, you have a picture on the art school, right? So, okay, so should this somebody could scan it and even just well, if everybody has an art school, you see it over there. So, we'll say so again. If you have the following situation where a man violated two sisters, man violated two sisters. Okay, each of those each of those acts yields a son. Yields a son. So we'll just call it sister A, sister B. Yaakov violates the two sisters. Two sisters, right? As a result, they have two sons, Reuven and Shimon. Now remember again on both sides, Reuven and Shimon share the same father, different mothers. Now what happens? So now something interesting happens, which is that Halacha Lamaisa, imagine Reuven and Shimon. Each marry, each marry the sister that's, well, like this. So now what ends up happening? Reuven and Shimon, now each one, actually, let's see it in Rashi. <laughs> okay, it's, I'm sorry. You know what? Maybe I'll just take a picture and send it. That way I could go off the, so, okay, so take a look. Rashi says, So ultimately, again, as a result of these two acts of violation, he has two sons. Right, one from each of these women, one from each of these sisters. One is Yehuda, and sorry, Achas Levi Achas Yehuda. Venosa Reuven Anasa Anusas Aviv Imo Shel Levi. Reuven goes ahead and marries the woman violated by his father, who was the mother of Levi. Veshimin Nasa Anusas Aviv Anusas Aviv Imo Shel Yehuda. And ultimately, what ends up happening? And Shimon ends up marrying the woman violated by his father, who was the mother of Yehuda. So, we'll say, so in a situation like this, so what ends up happening? When these women fall before fall for Yibum, before Levi and Yehuda, ultimately, again, we have a situation. We have a situation, the Gemara says, of what? We have Bezachayos, so So these will be cases where the two the two women are sisters to each other, but ultimately again neither of these women are permitted to either of the surviving brothers. Why is that? Because each woman is the sister of the other's mother. Each woman, right, each of the other women, one of the women is the mother, and one of the other women is the sister of the mother. So halacha again, there's no possibility to do yibam in that situation as well, and it only complies with two out of the three criteria. And if it's a case where, we'll call him Yaakov, went ahead and violated two unrelated women, then ha'asura lazeh, then ultimately, again, you'll have a situation where the one who is mutter to this one is ultimately, again, permitted to the other one. But because they're not sisters, you don't have a scenario where the Yavama is also the sister. Okay, well, so all the more just pointing out over here is, even if Rebbe goes ahead and holds of Rabbi Chia, ultimately, again, the case of Imo Anusas Aviv at most will satisfy two of the, I should say, one of the criteria, but not two of the criteria. Okay. Ravashi Amrani Olam, let's leave the Rabbi Hani Klali. So we'll see, Ravashi says, in reality, Rabbi does not hold of these principles. And ultimately, this is subject to Machlokas. So we'll say, so remember again, Beplukta Kamari, let's go back for just a moment. Remember how this whole discussion started? Simple answer is, 
No, I don't remember how the discussion started. <laughs> Let's say, but remember, right? We do know how the discussion started. At the bottom of Tassim Dalif 9a, remember again, the Gemara wanted to suggest why are you only including 15 cases in the Mishnah? There is a 16th case. There's a 16th case. What's the 16th case? Remember again, the Gemara wanted to suggest that ultimately, again, good morning, Greg. It's good to see you. <laughs> so the, the, Gemara, the Gemara says, so what's the 16th case? The 16th case the Gemara wanted to suggest was the Anusas Oviv, right? Anusas Oviv. Imo Anusas Oviv, where one's, one's mother was, a, was the son. Again, that case was a simpler case, simpler case. Father violates woman, right? Yaakov goes ahead and violates and violates, violates Leah. They have a son, Reuven. Reuven happens to have another paternal brother, Shimon. Right? So ultimately, again, what ends up happening? Shimon ends up, father dies. Shimon ends up marrying Leah. Now remember, again, I both say, that's a whole machlokis if that's possible. Because what does that have to do with? We know, we know that there's a prohibition to marry a father's wife. The shayla is, does that prohibition devolve upon a woman whom the father has violated? Right? Or do we say, no, it's only in the context, it's only a wife that a son is not permitted to marry. But if the father had relations with her, either, either consensually or not, that's not called the wife, and therefore there's no prohibition upon the son. Going with the approach that a son is permitted to marry a woman who was violated by his father, now what ends up happening is something very interesting, which is Shimon, Shimon, who's Yaakov's other son, marries the woman who, who Yaakov violated, who also is the mother of Reuven. Or to say it simply, Shimon marries his paternal brother's mother. Now, it sounds strange, but it would be mutter. Technically, at least according to what it would be mutter. The problem, of course, becomes what? Then when Shimon dies without children, you have a situation of what? Of Reuven's mother falling to him for Yibam. That's, so th- that, that's how this whole discussion started. That ultimately, again, Levi said to Rebbe, why don't you include a 16th case of Imo Anusas Ovid. That's how this started. And again, both say, then what, what was the original answer? Well, first of all, again, we saw that Levi gave, Levi, um, Rebbe gave Levi a pretty scathing, pretty scathing response, which we'll discuss, which was, you have no brain in your head. Okay, which again means not the best question. And so we'll, say, so, so we'll, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But Lamaisa, the answer the Gemara gave was, the Mishnah only deals with what kind of cases? What kind of cases? Non-Machlokes cases. We want cases that everyone agrees with. Okay, so that was the premise up until now. Now says the Gimara, Ravashi, I'm supposed to say, now back to you, Namadalev. Ravashi, I'm Ravashi, says like this. The old must leave the Rebbe Hani Klali. Or we put the Kamari. No, the truth is, Ravashi says, not true. Rebbe does not have to subscribe to the criteria of Rabbi Chia. And in reality, the Mishnah could actually include cases that are subject to Machlokes. So the Gemara says, Umay kimedumali she'en lamoach bekad kado. So say, let's go back and revisit that a little bit. So if that's the case, that Rebbe holds, that halacha lamaisa, that Rebbe holds that halacha lamaisa, the Mishnah can include cases that are subject to machlokes. So why did, why did Rebbe, why did Rebbe ultimately again say to Levi, you have no brain in your head? And we'll say, I'll just point out something interesting. Just in general, how do you understand, how do you understand that response, right? Levi says something to Rabbi, he raises a kasha, he raises a kasha, and I will say, you know, it's interesting because, you know, so much of, of what we try to do, especially, especially in Chinuch, especially, right, is, is validation, 
right? There's no such thing as a foolish question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Because you understand that, that if you belittle someone, then you run the risk of having them just fundamentally shut down and just withdraw. So the whole you so... So how could it be that Rebbe saying to Levi, you have no brain in your head? First of all, there are plenty of ways to say, that's just a bad question. Or come on, like what's the matter with you? Or just, you don't have a brain in your head. Is like such a, okay, it appears, not making a definitive statement, right? Maybe you do have a brain in your head, but it looks like you don't, right? So, so also I said, how do you understand the response like that? So I saw quoted by the Mishra Son of Aaron Cutler, Zechatadik who says something so beautiful. He said that part of the job of a Rebbe is to teach his Tamidim to think before they speak and to go ahead and make sure that thoughts are well-crafted and fully baked and fully, fully thought through before they're articulated. That's part of what it takes to become a tam chochum, and that's part of what it takes to become a successful meaning. Well, so we all know that in moments when we speak without really thinking through what it is that we're saying, it never works out well. So the Maise, so the Baron Cutler says, that's what Rebbe was trying to highlight to Levi. Levi, you're better than this. You can do better than this. You could accomplish better than this, right? You could be better than this. So it appears, it appears someone who talks like this and says stuff like this, it appears like someone who doesn't have a brain in their head. See, he wasn't trying to diminish Levi. He was giving Musa because sometimes a Rebbe has to go ahead and give Musa, right? Sometimes a Rebbe has to go ahead and halacha lamaisa teaches Talmud when to talk and when not to talk. Incredible. So anyway, the Gemara goes back. The Gemara says, the Ka'amrali, Hachi Ka'amrali. So the Gemara says as follows. So in end, if the Mishnah can deal with Mahlokas, so then Levi's question was a good question. Why not include a 16th case of Imo Anusas Oviv? To which the Gemara says, why does Rebbe respond? It appears like you don't have a brain in your head. What's, what's the Pshat? So we'll say, here we go. Hachi Ka'amrali, Hachi Ka'amrali. My timer, lo daikus masnisim. Why were you not a bit more medaik in the Mishnah? The masnisim rabbi Yehudahi, the aser ba'anusas oviv. So I will say, listen to this. Because I'll tell you why. So I will say, so now we're switching gears. The Mishnah could include cases of machlokes. Aye, so why does Rebbe get so upset at Levi? Because Rebbe said, Levi, you're not medaik. You weren't careful enough with your examination of the Mishnah. How so? Because I will say the Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda holds that Allah Anusas Aviv is mut is Asr. Why does he hold Anusas Aviv is Asr? Because I will say Rabbi Yehuda Darshans. We have this a few days. Rabbi Yehuda Darshans. You can't uncover the corner of your father's garment. And what did Rabbi Yehuda Darshan with that? Rabbi Yehuda said essentially anyone who's seen one's father's nakedness is Asr to the son. Which essentially means anyone with whom the father had relations, a son is prohibited to. So our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Huda. So Rebbe was getting upset with Levi. Rebbe was getting upset with Levi. Why weren't you more medayik in the Mishnah? You should have understood this. Diktani, sheish arayos chamuros me'ilu. Rebbe said, listen to this. There's good news. You got nervous. I heard from many of you that you were upset that there were only 15 cases listed in the first Mishnah. And hoping that there's more. Good news, there's more. There's more. There's six more cases that we're going to see. And the six more cases that are mentioned are even more Chamer than the first 15. Why? 
The Gemara says, Vitsarosein Mutaros, Sarosein Mutaros. So, we're going to see that ultimately, again, there are six more cases that are more We're not going to get into these cases now, but there are six more cases that are more Chamorim. They are married to others. Now, Bosa, we're going to see that in these situations, these other six women, see, Bosa, in the 15 cases in the Mishnah, what was the Chiddush? The Chiddush was that ultimately, again, they were usher to one of the surviving brothers but mutter to the other surviving brothers. We're going to see that there are six more cases in which the woman in question is Asura to all of the paternal brothers. We'll talk about this. So ultimately, again, they're married to others, right? Because which means that when we say they're married to others, meaning they can't be married to one of the paternal brothers. Sarosehen mutaros. Ultimately, again, their co-wives are permitted. Their co-wives are permitted. Imo ve'eshes aviv. Va'achos aviv. So the Gemara says, amongst those cases are one's mother, the right one's mother, the the wife of one's father, and the sister of one's father. To which the Gemara says, my emo. What's the case of emo? Ilema nesuas aviv hainu eshes aviv. So we'll see if you tell me that it's talking about a case of the woman who my father is married to. That's obvious. That's the case of eshes aviv. That's the case of a father's wife. Elalav anusas aviv. But rather, it must be referring to what? To a woman who has been violated by one's father. And we learned in the Mishnah says, because they are married to others. in To others, yes. Ultimately, to the brothers, not. In other words, we're talking about women who would be prohibited to all of the paternal brothers. To which the Gemara says, who is the opinion who holds of this svar? I will say, in other words, who is the opinion who holds that anusas oviv, a woman violated by one's father, who was never married to one's father, but violated by one's father? How do we know that such a woman is asura to the brothers, to, right? I should say to the sons, to the, to the sons of that father, to which the Gemara says, Manchal say the islehai svara, Rabbi Yehuda, the asur ba'anusas oviv. Ultimately, again, it's Rabbi Yehuda. Who answers in the woman violated by, by the father? Mishumhachi Lotanile. Therefore, I both say this case is not mentioned in the Mishnah. So I'll say let's let's bring this together. First of all, just to clarify Rabbi Huda's position. So say, as I mentioned before, and this is important to remember. Remember, as you see by Yavamas, the key to success in this Masechta is ultimately to make sure we take away a couple of key points from each and every daf. So remember again, here we have this machlokis Rabbi Huda. And the Rabbanon. In the case of Anusas Aviv, let's start with what everybody agrees with. What does everybody agree with? Who's Aser? Who's Aser? A father's wife. What's the definition of a father's wife? Marriage. Marriage, right? So that everybody agrees with. What's the Machlokes case? The, a woman who the father violates. And by the way, it's not just a din in violation. It's a din in what? Any Relations. Anyone who the father had relations with outside of a marital context. So is, is a son prohibited to that woman or not? So, Rabbi, so the Rabbanans say, no. The din of Isha's Aviv is only a din in marriage. Rabbi Huda says, yes. Because again, the Pasuk, Aviv, he may not uncover the corner of his father's garment, which ultimately again teaches us any woman with whom the father had relations is usher to the son. That's okay. That's the piece of information. Let's go back. Levi says to Rebbe, Rebbe, why doesn't the Mishnah include a 16th case? A 16th case. What's the great 16th case? Imo Anusas Aviv. One more time. Yaakov violates Leah. They have a son. 
Reuven. Reuven has a paternal brother, Shimon. Yaakov dies. Yaakov dies. Leah, Leah, right, is, is unmarried. Leah marries Shimon. Totally mutter, right? Because remember again, although, although again, although, although Shimon is Yaakov's son, he has no relationship to Leah. So, so Shimon marries Leah. Fine. Shimon dies childless. Then what happens? Leah, the widow, falls to Yibum to Ruvain. Only one problem. Who's Ruvain? Her son. Right? Ruvain is her son. That's the case of Imo Anusas Aviv. Imo Anusas Aviv. So Levi says, Rebbe, why not include that 16th case? To which Rebbe responds sharply. It appears like you have no brain in your head. Right? So we thought, up until this point in time, we thought the whole reason why Rebbe was against this was because the Mishnah didn't include Machlokes cases. The problem is, that's not true. To which the Gemara says, you're right. The reason why Rebbe responded sharply, well, the reason he responded sharply, Rav Aaron Cutler, was because Rebbe felt he had an achrayas to teach his Talmud, you have to think before you speak. I will say, by the way, this is an incredibly important lesson. Hashkach Pratis also, that we're learning this lesson on Purim. Right? Because Baruch Hashem, Nichnas Yayin Yatsa Sod. So sometimes when we drink a little bit, which is a mitzvah today, so, we, so the inhibitions are lowered, and sometimes we say things when we, are have, when we are in a state of full cognition, we know not to say, right? But sometimes, again, when the guard is lowered a little bit, we say stuff to be very, very careful. A person always, ha- no matter how much a person drinks, a person has to be in control of the koach hadibor. Because what makes me a human being, ultimately, again, is the ability to speak. What makes me, hopefully, a proper human being is the ability to control that koach hadibor. So ultimately, that's what Rebbe was getting upset about Levi. So why did Rebbe get upset? So it turns out that, no, there is machlokis in the Mishnah. So we'll say, what was the problem? Rebbe was saying too, Levi, the Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Huda, And Rabbi Huda holds that emo, that emo, anusas aviv, is aser. If that's the case, Rebbe will say, if, emo, if, a, if a woman violated by the father, is usher to any of the sons, then what? Then a marriage to Shimon, to begin with, would have been impossible. Would have been impossible. That would have been usher. And therefore, again, that entire Yibum case would have never materialized. That's why he gets upset at Levi. That case doesn't belong in the Mishnah because that case halachically cannot occur. Beautiful. The truth is, you could have a case. So I will say, even Rabbi Huda who holds that Anusas Aviv, a woman violated by one's father is asura to the son. You could still have a case where it could work. How does it work? Listen to this. Di Avravinasiv. Listen to this. What if Shimon went ahead and married Leah anyway? I was supposed to say, so okay, let's assume right now we pass like Rabbi Huda. Let's assume we pass like Rabbi Huda. So therefore, Yaakov violates Leah. They have a son, Ruvain. Yaakov has another son, Shimon. Shimon's totally unrelated to Ruvain. So, sorry, Shimon's totally unrelated to Leah. So what happens now? Shimon, the brother, wants to marry Leah. Aye, but it's Asr. Okay, he did it anyway. He married her. He married her anyway. So why not establish that as the case in the Mishnah? So Shimon married a woman he's not allowed to marry. It happens all the time, right? He's not allowed to, he marries a woman he's not allowed to marry. And again, then he dies without children. Then she falls to Ruvain for Yibam. Why can't you set it up like that? To which the Imar says, We're not talking about cases like that in the Mishnah. The Mishnah will say, D-E, D-E, if, which means if, if you do something that is usher, the Mishnah is not talking about cases like that. The Mishnah is talking about regular normative cases. The truth is, you can even find this case even without somebody doing something that's usher, a prohibited marriage. How so? Uh, this is an interesting case. Yaakov Anas Kalasa, listen to this case. Yaakov violated his daughter-in-law. 
Okay? And what happens? He has a son with his daughter-in-law. All right, now, so watch this, so watch this, so right? Yaakov violates his daughter, let's still call her Leah. Leah's Ruvain's wife, right? So, ya- right, Yaakov is the father, Ruvain is, Yaakov is the father, Ruvain's the son, Ruvain's married to Leah. Well, say, Father, there is a good picture book that's out there, right? but I'm waiting for it to come in, and grant Hashem. So, okay, hopefully I'll do my best to explain these. So, let's say, so again, so you have, right? So, once again, you have Yaakov, right? All of these cases are very straightforward, very straightforward. Right, see, ya- Yaakov, Yaakov has a son, who is Ruvain? Ruvain marries Leah. Great, Mazel Tov. Yaakov violates Leah. Yaakov violates Leah. They have a son. They have a son. We'll call him Shimon. We'll call him Shimon. So I'll say, now what happens? Ruvain dies without children. Ruvain dies without children. So I'll say, so interestingly enough, Ruvain dies without children. Who's Ruvain's brother? Who's Ruvain's brother? Shimon, who also happens to be the son of Reuven's wife, right? So now what happens when Reuven passes away without children, his wife Leah falls to, to Reuven's brother, Shimon, for Yibam. But of course, Shimon can't do Yibam because Leah is his mother. So why not include that case as well? Why not include that case? So the Gemara, V'nafla Kamei So let's read it again. So the Gemara, V'nafla so Yaakov violated his daughter-in-law, and they have a son, and then Ruvain, the husband, dies without children. And Leah, the widow, falls to her husband's brother, Shimon, who also happens to be her son. So obviously, Yibam is impossible in this situation. So, Omigo di'ihi asira tsarasanami asira. Posa is a great case. I mean, I mean, it's not a great case, which you understand like halachically, it's a great case. Right? So, Posa, so at the end of the day, what happens? So Leah falls to Shimon for Yibam, because of course Shimon is the deceased, bro- the, deceased, the deceased man's brother, but also Shimon happens to be Leah's son. So therefore Yibam is impossible. Since Shimon can't do Yibam with Leah, he also can't do Yibam with Leah's co-wife. So again, great case. Why can't that be number 16? The Mishnah is only talking about siblings who come about as a result of permitted relationships, not about siblings that are created through illicit or prohibited relationships. So I will say, here you have a situation, while it is true that Reuben and Shimon are brothers, Reuben and Shimon's brother, brother, brothership, brothership, brotherhood, right, brotherhood, brother kite, right, they're, right, they're, they're, right they're, their brother kite only comes about, only comes about because of a maise isser, because of a prohibition. The Mishnah is not talking about those types of situations. Now listen to this. Even though Levi got some pretty scathing musr from Rebbe regarding not including the 16th case, Levi himself compiled a list of cases and he wrote a song, the tiny Levi, Imo, So Levi said, sometimes one's mother could exempt the co-wife, and sometimes she doesn't exempt the co-wife. How so? Kate said, here we go, I will say, So I will say, listen to this case. So I will say, this is fascinating, and actually the way you read it is a little bit different than the way you don't understand. Listen to this. So I will say, so Levi says, Levi says like this, there are some times, there are some times where halacha lemaisa, 
a mother could exempt co-wives and sometimes she doesn't. How so? We'll say case number one. Case number one, let's go back to the first case we started with. Yaakov violates Leah. Yaakov violates Leah. And I will say, then what happens? Or I should say it differently. Um, yeah, the truth is, actually, I take it back. It doesn't have to be even a case of violation. It could be the following case. Yaakov is married to Leah. They have a son, Ruvain. They have a son, Ruvain. Okay, let's say Yaakov dies. Leah is now, Leah is a widow. Le- Yaakov, and Yaakov had another son from another woman named Shimon. Leah goes and marries Shimon. Leah marries Shimon. Serabo said, listen to this. That is an illegal marriage. Because remember, again, everyone agrees that what? You are not permitted to marry a woman who was married to your father. So Shimon goes ahead and engages in a forbidden marriage with his father's widow, not his mother. Remember, she's not related to Shimon at all. But Lamaisa, he marries his father's widow. Halacha Lamaisa, that is an usher marriage. Shabbos say, now what happens? Shimon dies without children. Shabbos say, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? <laughs> Ultimately, again, if Shimon had another wife, that wife would fall to Ruvain, the brother, for Yibum. But of course, the mother does not. Now, Bosei, in this context, this is actually a little bit of a different case because this is Yibum resulting from an illegal marriage. And what Levi is saying is, when you have an illegal marriage, there is no Yibum obligation which is triggered. This is going to be our next fascinating sugya. Take a look at Rashi over here. Rashi says, this is fascinating. We're going to see this case. Essentially, what's happening over here, Bosei, if you can imagine, is as follows. Shimon, Shimon, who is Yaakov's son, marries Yaakov's widow. But Shimon also has another wife, right? He also married Rachel. So he married Leah, his father's widow. He's also married to Rachel. And I will say, everyone agrees that marrying your father's wife is Asr. In fact, it's a, or your father's, you know, widow is is a chiv kares. Is a chiv So I will say, now Shimon engaged in an illegal relationship. We're going to see, anytime you engage in an illegal relationship, depending on the extent of the illegality, there is no yibam obligation that's triggered. So now Shimon dies without children. So there's no, Ruvain now is a surviving brother. He has no obligation of Yibum vis-a-vis Leah, both because Leah is his wife, but sorry, Leah is his mother, but even more than that, because the marriage between Leah and Shimon was illegal. But because that marriage was illegal, interestingly enough, it doesn't impact Shimon's marriage to Rachel, right, who was the co-wife. Which now means, interestingly enough, that Reuben, the surviving brother, could go ahead and do Yibum with Rachel, Shimon's other wife. Or to say it a little bit differently, an erva only disqualifies her co-wife when? When? When they are in a legal marriage. But when the erva is in an illegal marriage, she does not disqualify her co-wife from Yibum. Fact. Again, we're going to get into the mechanics of this in just a moment. But I'll say, Amadeus, Amadeus, Haisa Imo Anusas Aviv. But I will say, if you had a case where ultimately, again, Yaakov violated Leah, 
and there was no marriage there. And then Leah goes to marry Shimon, Yaakov's other son, totally unrelated to her. And then I will say what happens. Shimon now is married to Leah, his father's widow, and he also happens to have another wife, Rachel. Now Shimon dies without children. Now what happens in this case? Now two women fall to Reuben for Yibam. Who are the two women? Rachel and Leah. Now remember again, Leah is Reuben's mother. Rachel is the coif. Oh, this is a case. Zoe Imo Shepoteres Sarasa. Incredible. Now we'll say this is the case of a mother who exempts her co-wife. Now we'll say, you see, it's fascinating. So essentially, what we're saying is like this. You could have the same halachic construct of ultimately, again, a paternal brother, right? A paternal brother being married to his brother's biological mother. Right, so that's the case over here. Shimon is married to Ruvain's mother. Shimon's married to Ruvain's mother. So both say, so the Shaila is, and now, and now in both cases, in both cases, Shimon has two wives, Leah and Rachel. Leah is his brother Ruvain's mother. Rachel, unrelated. Shimon dies without children. So both say, so now the Shaila is, what's the Yibum scenario for Ruvain, the surviving brother? And interesting, what does it depend on? What does it depend on? It depends on the nature of the relationship one generation up between Yaakov, the father, and Leah. If Yaakov was married to Leah, then ultimately again, it's Ashes Aviv. Shimon was never permitted to marry his father's widow. It's an illegal marriage, in which case again, then when Shimon dies childless, even though, right, so now he has he's, he's Leah, who's his father's widow, and Rachel, another wife. So ultimately, because it's an illegal marriage, Yibum never occurs. There's no Yibum scenario between Leah and Ruvain, in which case, Ruvain is free to go ahead and do Yibam with who? With Rachel, the other wife. But in case number two, where the marriage between Shimon and, and Leah is legal, because we're possibly not like Rabbi Huda, that again, that he's permitted to go ahead and marry a woman violated by his father, in that case, again, that is a legal relationship. Because it's a legal relationship, now Reuben is married to both of these women, Rachel and Leah, Leah I'm going to call them Leah and Rachel, legally. When, Reuben, when Shimon dies without children, both of these women fall before Reuben for Yibum. Ultimately, again, one of those women is his mother. And as we've seen, whenever you have two women, one of them is an erva, the erva disqualifies the other woman from Yibum. Incredible, incredible. I will say, again, or to say it succinctly, Halacha Lameisen, erva will only disqualify a tsara in a case of a legal marriage, where the marriage is illegal, the marriage with the erva is an illegal marriage, she does not disqualify the tsara, the co-wife. That's it. That's the principle. Incredible. So the Gemara says, And lady says, Even though in Amishtu we only quoted 15 cases, There's a 16th case, Kegon Zu. Shkoyach Levi. Levi did good. I will say, right? This is solid. This is absolutely solid. It makes a lot of sense. There is a 16th case. And I will say, now to be clear, the reason Rabbi didn't like the 16th case is because if you hold the Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says it doesn't matter if Yaakov, the father, violated the woman or was married to the woman. Either way, there's an Isser of Ashes of it regardless, in which case this whole discussion never gets off the ground. But if you don't hold the like Rabbi Huda, you can make a distinction between a case of a woman violated by the father versus a woman married to the father. Levi clearly does. Therefore, he includes a 16th case in the Mishnah. Incredible. So according to Levi who says that the Mishnah could potentially include cases 
even of illegal relationships. We'll say, great case, great case. Why don't we include another case? We'll say, what's the additional case? Here's the additional case. Right? Let's just take a typical case. Remember, I'll say, like a good old case, just brothers, just brothers, right? And Shimon dies without children. I mean, it's not a good old case. It's like, like no complicated marriages over here, right? Shimon dies without children. And now, Ruvain, Ruvain has to do Yibam with Shimon's widow. Ruvain decides he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to do Yibam. He does Chalitza. After his Chalitza, I will say it's very common, Chalitza remorse, it happens, right? So, right, he has Chalitza remorse, and he decides he wants to go ahead and now marry her. He marries her. I will say, no, you're not allowed to do that. He's not allowed to do that. That's Aser. That's Aser. But he does it. He does it. So I will say, so now watch this. Now what happens, I will say? Now Reuven dies. So remember, Reuven did Chalitza, had Chalitza remorse, marries the widow afterwards. Now Reuven dies without children. So I will say, so now again, let's assume that obviously there's other brothers over there. There's Levi, Yehuda, there's other brothers. So what's Talacha? Demigo di'ihi asura sarasa nami asura. And I will say, now the Halacha is like this. The halacha is we're going to see. Look at Rashi. The kaimalayu bekaris l'reishak. The Rashi says demigo demigo. I'm sorry, chazer bekitcher. Rashi says the kiddushin tov sinba deina Allah deina Allah ella belav the chesiv asher lo yivnes beis achiv kevan shlobana shul lo yivne. So I'll say now listen to this. What's the pro? What, what's the issue with marrying a woman with whom you did chalitza? It's a love. It's a love. Now I will say we are going to get into a fascinating discussion about does marriage take effect in illegal situations? If you're not allowed to marry someone, but you marry them, does the marriage, is, is there a halachically created marriage or not? So we're going to see this is subject to machlokas, and we're going to see the machlokas also depends on the nature of the isra, the nature of the prohibition. Let's assume right now that we're operating under the assumption over here that Allah, if it's quote-unquote just Allah, just the prohibition, Ultimately, the marriage will work. So Reuven does chalitza, right? And then decides to marry this woman. Then decides to marry her. He's violated Allah. And we're assuming now that Allah said the marriage works. So we'll say, now watch this. Now again, Reuven dies now without children. Reuven dies without children. So we'll say, so now what's the shayla? What's the shayla? Now Rashi says, Now when Reuven passes away, Reuven also has a second wife. So now there's two wives. There's the chalutza that he remarried. And now there's also the co-wife. So we'll say, so what's the halacha over here? So we say, Demigo, di'ihi asura, sarasa nami asira. Since ultimately, again, the widow, who originally was subject to chalitza, since she is going to be asura to all the brothers, therefore her tzara, her co-wife, is also asura. Look at Rashi. Demigo, di'ihi asura, tekaimalaya bekares. So we'll say, we don't know why this is yet, but halacha lamay said, the Gimar is presupposing that when Ruvain does Chalitza and then remarries this woman, ultimately again, and then dies, and then dies, there is no of Yibum for this woman. Since this was an illegal marriage, right, to remarry the Chalitza, so therefore again, there's no Yibum scenario. And once there's no Yibum obligation, it also exempts who? It also exempts the co-wife. It also exempts the co-wife. Amr Lay, said the Gemara says, so I will say, so why not include this case? This is a good 16th case, right? Reuven does Chalitza, remarries the Chalitza, then dies, then dies, ultimately again, because the brothers can't marry the Chalitza, they also can't marry the co-wife. Why not include this case? Amr Lay, the Fishayna, but Saras, Tzara. 
So I will say, interestingly enough, because that particular case is not subject to Saras Sara. Remember again the case of Tsaras Sara, we saw that in the Mishnah. That's ultimately again if the co-wife then goes ahead and marries one of the other brothers. So ultimately again we'll call it that erva stigma or that erva impact follows her into that secondary marriage as well. This case is not subject to Tsaras Sara. We'll see why that is in just a little bit. So So why not go ahead and say simpler? Ultimately, again, this type of marriage for a man to remarry a woman with whom he did chalitza is only quote unquote only It's a love. It's not karis. It's not karis. So therefore, again, why don't we say that ultimately, again, ultimately are subject to chalitza. To which the Gemara says, "Lidvarav ka'amale." He was saying, he was saying it according to the other opinion. Lididi chayve lavenheim vechayve laven bnei chalitza veyibam ninhu. According to me, it's a chayve laven. Chayve laven are subject to bnei chalitza. El lididach chayve krisos ninhu lefisha ena mitzaras sara. But according to you, ultimately, again, that it only applies to chayve krisos. Why wouldn't this case be included? Ultimately, because it's not subject to tsaras tsara. Now, both say, here we go. To appreciate what's unfolding over here, look at this next Gemara. Because I both say, this entire discussion is predicated on when does marriage take effect and when doesn't it take effect when something illegal is being done. So here we go. I both say, this is an incredible sugya. Itmar. And I both say, after we do this, we're going to go back and reflect back on the previous Gemara as well. Here it is. I both say, here it is. Person, right? So again, simple case. Reuven and Shimon, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, right? Three brothers. Shimon dies without children. Reuven, right? The widow, we'll call her Rachel, falls to Reuven. Rachel falls to Reuven. Reuven decides, you know what? I don't want to marry this Chalitza. Does Chalitza. Chalitza Vimto, the Chazir Vikidsha. And then I will say, then what happens afterwards? He remarries her. He decides to marry her. Reish Lakish, so I'm Reish Lakish. Who ain't Chayiv Allah Chalutza Karis? The Achin Chayoven Allah Chalutza Karis. So I'll say, this is fascinating. Shesh Lakish says, ultimately, again, when he remarries her, when he remarries her, he's not Chayiv Kares for the Chalutza. In other words, I will say, when Reuven remarries the woman with whom he did Chalutza, we don't look at it as if he is marrying his brother's sister. Why? Because since Reuven did Chalutza, what did he effectively do? He severed that relationship of brother's wife. So now he's marrying, who is he marrying? Who's he marrying? A woman. Now it happens to be, it's a love to marry this woman, but it's not Ishes Ach. But Ishlakish says something amazing. Only the brother who did Chalitza severed the Ishes Ach relationship. Every other brother who didn't do Chalitza still has an Isra Ishes Ach. Wild. And therefore, again, if any of the other brothers were to now go marry her, that would be an Isra Karis. Alat Sara, and if there was a co wife, right, if the deceased brother had a co wife, Everyone is chayiv kares on the tzara, on the co-wife. Right? I will say, because since no chalitza was done on the co-wife at all, she still retains the eshes ach designation. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, 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 no. Once chalitza is done, Rabbi say, what does chalitza do? Chalitza fundamentally removes what? The Isser Eshesach from who? From who? From all of the brothers. From all of the brothers. And therefore, again, if Halacha Lamaya said, now any of the brothers were to go ahead and marry this woman, or for that matter, 
her co-wife, there would be a love, but there would not be cars. So we'll say, all right, I'm going to leave you. We'll say, this, by the way, is, is a fascinating, riveting machlokis that is going to shed so much light on so many different pieces of Yibam. We'll stop over there for today. We'll pick up with this machlokis tomorrow. We'll say, all right, Chavran Zuma, Freilich and Parma, everyone. Great to see everyone.